Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. I've never considered myself a Hall of Famer at anything. Not a thing. I honestly see myself as an average guy. And I'm good with average. I lived my life trying to never get too high and never get too low. But to stand on this stage right now and tell you that I'm feeling average would be a complete lie. My feet have not touched the ground all day. That is the pride of Maple Ridge, BC, Larry Walker inducted into the Hall of Fame today. Hello and welcome to Baseball Central. Jeff Blair, Kevin Barker, Larry Walker going in along with the late Marvin Miller and Ted Simmons and Derek Jeter. And uh, Kevin, we we caught Larry Walker's speech uh, before we came in. We're going to be joined in a few minutes by Pat Gillick, of course, Hall of Famer himself, who is general manager of the Blue Jays when Larry Walker was doing his thing and was also in his first year as general manager of the Baltimore Orioles when, uh, when Derek Jeter came through. So it'll be great to get Pat's, Pat's insight onto these two, uh, onto these two players. Um, you know, we had a, we were lucky enough to talk to Larry uh, last week and it, it, you know, it was interesting watching these speeches and, and in particular, Jeter and Walker, because those are the only two guys I've actually spent some time around. I mean, I, you know, I talked to Marvin Miller, but I mean, I never, I, Ted Simmons, it was a little bit before my time as, mm-hmm. as a writer. It, it has always amazed me when you watch Hall of Famers deliver a speech that how you viewed them as a person while they played comes through in the speech. Like that was Larry Walker. Larry Walker's nickname was Booger. And it was given to him by Tim Wallach. Yeah. Because um, he was a guy who would, he, he was the life of the party. Sure. Uh, you know, Derek Jeter was the captain. So he had Booger give a speech, <laughs> followed by Derek Jeter. And uh, it was a great day. It's a great Hall of Fame class. And uh, again, congratulations to Larry Walker. And, and a big day, I think, not just for Larry Walker, but for Canadian baseball. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool when we had Larry on and he was talking about how nervous he was and how nervous he was going to be and, you know, he's so anxious to get up in front of the crowd and how was it going to go? And he sounded like he'd done it a billion times. At least it did for me. You know, he was funny. Uh, he said exactly what he was thinking about what his career was like and who he, who he wanted to think. And, and, you know, he just, he, Larry just seems like he was so athletic that that was what I was, that I took out of that, that, you know, it was his, his little joke he made about base running when, you know, it was a fly ball to right field and he, and he, he ran to third base and slid in, and then the third base coach was telling him to get back, and he sort of just went straight from third base to first base, forgetting to to go back and tag second. And you know, it was just it was just fun to to listen to uh, the way we had a conversation with him on Baseball Central, and then actually hearing him give his speech as a true Hall of Famer. It was pretty cool for me. 
So today is walk-off Wednesday. The numbers are 416-870-0590, star 591 590 is the text line. Well, we do have a baseball game to talk about last night. It's playoffs. I said, look, I said yesterday, and, and that is today's text slash phone question. Very simple. Playoffs, yes or no? Jays are going to the playoffs, yes or no? Mm. doesn't matter... What's your gut tell you? I mean, we're having fun here. I said yesterday that uh, if the Jays beat Garrett Cole, they would be going to the playoffs. And I've changed my mind because in point of fact, they did not beat Garrett Cole last night. Garrett Cole left the game early. So my bold prediction does not stand. I'm just kidding. They're off to the playoffs. There's no doubt about it. A uh, 5-1 win last night. Garrett Cole, he gone with a hamstring injury. That may have ramifications, not just for the playoff race, not just for the wild card race but ramifications as well for American League Cy Young, uh, for Cy Young voting. Now, we should stress that Garrett Cole and the Yankees are both saying everything's good and he'll be back and be good to go and yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. So precautionary? I, I, precautionary, That's yeah. That's what it was. Precautionary. Uh, I mean, look, um, his velocity, whether or not it was his hamstring, that was not vintage Garrett Cole. Velocity was down. According to the yeah. according to the yes yes broadcast, velocity was down. Mm. Um, did the, the 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 what did you think of the slider? Yeah, see, I didn't see that. I, I saw for me that that had everything to do with the okay. Blue Jays lineup, other than Gary Cole's. All right, I mean, he was still throwing. He was reaching a hundred. I mean, he was sitting at ninety eight, ninety nine. It, it was his lowest fastball uh, of maybe, the year. Maybe it looked look good to me. Like they, the Blue Jays were doing a real good job of not chasing. And I and I've been saying this. You know, when they were going into Oakland that Friday, when you asked me what what's key for this team to go forward and, and have a legitimate chance of making the playoffs. And I said, take pitchers, pitches, get your pitch. And when you get it, don't miss it. And this has been carrying over from at bat to 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 a man. Every single one of those guys were going up yesterday, even against Garrett Cole, and they were having competitive at bats. And that's what you have to have against a guy like that, of that caliber, who can locate and do it with power and, and make things look like pitches that aren't, pitches that you thought that it was supposed to be. They've been doing a really good job. All right, let's give a bit of a reset here. First of all, there is weather in the New York area tonight. Um, so, obviously, you know, we'll keep you informed on that. Uh, it looks like they might be able to start the game. But uh, there is weather in the area. The Jays and Yankees have another game tomorrow. It's still supposed to be some inclement weather in the area. As we sit here right now, the Blue Jays are two out of the wild card. They've Jumped over Seattle. Seattle lost to Houston last night, and I believe Seattle is losing right now again to Houston. Seattle's jumped. Uh, they've jumped over Seattle. Uh, Oakland lost. And so as of now, the Jays are two back of Boston in the second spot. The Yankees are half game ahead of the Red Sox atop the wild card race. Seattle's three back. Oakland's three and a half back. And I, I mean, the Jays have won six in a row for the first time this year. They're nine and one in their last 10. Hmm. You know, pinch me, slap me. It's almost going too well. Oh, I wish I could. Uh, well, but, you can. No, well, I can. That's an HR violation. Uh, you, you look, only if I filed it. Uh, yeah, would plan. you? If I did that, no. depends on how hard. I'm used to hard getting slapped. I'm used to getting slapped in the All face. Right, I'm yeah. a reporter. <laughs> when, when did you ever get slapped? Uh, twice. By who? I can't tell you. Oh, it was it was settled. Oh, <laughs> really? Oh, it was settled by PR staff. Yeah. Huh. Well, once okay. one was just kind of a push. It wasn't really a slap. That oh. was kind of a like that. Oh, did you did you deserve it? 
Oh, in both cases, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I was a real, I, yeah, I'd written some dickish stuff. I probably did, you know, I did deserve it in the one case. The other case, I probably could have left. But yeah, the one case, I would have kicked, I would have done more and slapped me. Huh. What were we talking about? Uh, the uh, Yankees and Jays. Oh, yeah. Look, I, I've said this for a very long time. I, I think the Blue Jays are better than the Red Sox. I think they're better than the Yankees now. For They're lying. Absolutely, absolutely not. They're better than, than the Rays. I, well, the rotation's better than both of those teams. Sure is the now. The Yankees and the Red Sox. Steven Matz yesterday, six innings of one hit. Steven Matz, <laughs> Steven Matz has a 1.63 ERA since August 1st. Now, we're all, you know, lighting the loafers about Robbie Ray and his 1.51 ERA, which is fine. Well, Robbie Ray does it with punch outs. But yeah, Stephen Matz is one point five three. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's giving him a chance. You know, it's it's sorry one point six accumulation of, of of things. But I think what it comes down to is he's he's found some mechanical things that he he can repeat over and over and over again, and he's confident. You know, I, I say that confident thing, and everybody's going to roll their eyes. Oh, he's a big leaguer. He's supposed to be confident. Mm-hmm. Not Stephen Matz. The uh, Jays, by the way, have made a couple of roster moves. Julian Merriweather has been reinstated from the sixty day uh. injured list. Brian Baker's been optioned to AAA Buffalo. Anthony Kay's been placed in the COVID IL. This is the Jays' lineup for tonight. No surprises, really. George Springer, again, not in the lineup. Corey Dickerson leading off in center. Marcus Semyon's at second. Vladdy is at first. Bo's at short. Teoscar's in right. Alejandro Kirk oh. is at DH. You going to apologize to Kirk? I, I, I said I thought he could hit. I just don't know if he can catch. Mm-hmm. Lourdes Gurriel, neither do you. Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s in left field. Jake Lamb is back at third base. For me, Jake Lamb's got to be at third base every day the rest of the year. Uh, unless there's a lefty throw. Unless there's, well, even if there's a lefty throwing. I, 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 I don't, you You've know, Bravik Okay, as long as Kevin Smith isn't, Bravik Flair, I just don't want Kevin, Kevin, I don't need Kevin Smith's bat in the lineup. Danny Jansen's mm-hmm. behind the plate. Alec Manoa's on the mound. For the Yankees, Gardner, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, DJ LeMayhew. Joey Gallo is back. He's not hitting second. He's hitting sixth. Sanchez, Odor, and Velasquez. Luis Heel on the mound for the Yankees. He throws hard. He has a slider. He has not given up. Uh, what's his earned run? What's the earned run thing he's working zero. on right now? Zero and 14 and two-thirds. There 15, you go. 15 and two-thirds. 15 and two-thirds. What did you say, DJ LeMay? He's hitting? Uh, one, two, three, four. He's fifth. It's odd. He's in the fifth spot. Yeah, you know, again, it's, it's just odd that, a, that a, a team of the Yankee stature, you know, has benched a couple of guys. The and, Torres and, and, is still benched. Yeah, in the last couple of days. Yeah, and, and and moved around their order as much as they have. You know, again, it's it, I don't know what you've seen, but but what I've seen is it's odd that you can get out a lineup like the Yankees with one pitch, a fastball. Like like you know, you could say what you yeah. want. You could say what you want about about the the changeup and the arm speed and the location of Steven Matz and Ryu. For me, it's all about fastball. Like the the. Uh, the adjustments the Yankees lineup cannot make off of fastballs, especially a fastball in and maybe a little elevated. You know, I don't want to say it's worrisome, but how do you fix it? If you're, if you're a Yankees fan and you're watching this team and you see what they can't do consistently against fastballs, mm-hmm. yeah. really make you wonder, you know, of, of what this is going to look like in the offseason. Well, our next guest is, as we mentioned, it's Hall of Fame Day. Uh, Larry Walker, Derek Jeter, Ted Simmons, Marvin Miller going into the hall. By the way, if you're not familiar with Ted Simmons' work, look up his numbers. <laughs> um, all Thanks. going into the Hall of Fame. Second hit, second RBIs as catcher all time. That's not too bad. Yeah, he was something else. Uh, we're very pleased to be joined by Pat Gillick, himself a Hall of Famer, of course, former MLB general manager, 
current Philly senior advisor. Pat, thank you so much for joining Kevin and myself. We, we trust that you're doing well, and, and we certainly appreciate your time. Um, hey, i got to ask you this, because I don't think we've had this discussion, and I'm sure you've talked to Bob Elliott and, and, and other guys about it, but, you know, look, you guys, the Blue Jays were all over baseball in Canada. They were all over baseball in Canada when uh, uh, once the franchise started. I mean, I remember you guys coming to amateur banquets across the country and all that stuff. Did Tell me a little bit about, at, at any point, did you guys have a line on Larry Walker? Or was, was there ever a time, this is a Jays fan asking, I guess, was there ever a time Larry Walker almost became a Blue Jay? Hello, Pat. Okay. That's a great question. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, honest to God, I mean, look, I've, I've covered Larry for years, and I've been around the Blue Jays. I don't think I've ever asked Pat. Because the Jays got everybody. Yeah. Like, seriously, man, there was, there was a time in this country, and look, I'm speaking to someone who grew up in Manitoba. Yeah. You went to a banquet, and a Jays scout would be at the head table, or Pat Gillick would be at, a head, I'm, at I'm the sure, head table. I'm, I'm sure as talented as he was and a five-tool guy, I'm sure he would have to But be. the thing is, he... I don't think he was on a lot. Like he didn't, he didn't take part in any showcase games. There was no national junior program yeah. then. I don't think. I think he might have played in 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 the world youth games. But uh, it'll be interesting to uh, to get Pat's to get Pat's take on that because that is, uh, and of course, we've got a lot to talk to Pat about. I mean, this uh, Hall of Fame, as we said, is right in is 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 right in his wheelhouse um, with uh, with Ted Simmons and 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 Derek Jeter. I think we checked. Pat was GM of the Baltimore Orioles when Derek Jeter. Yeah, ninety six to ninety eight. Yeah, yeah. It's you know first impressions. It's sort of sort of a lasting one. And, and Derek Jeter defensively wasn't the greatest. Trying to figure out who he was offensively. That inside out swing is that really going to work at the big league level? And look what he turned out to be. Well, at, and I remember doing an interview with Brian Cashman, and I wrote something for the Sportsnet website about it um, about how the, those Yankees teams were built. And, and Derek Jeter alluded to it today. If you go back and look, and this is why you always keep this in mind with guys like Bo Bichette. Look at Derek Jeter's error numbers in his first couple of years as a professional. Sure. In the minors. They get 56 errors. Yeah. And there was a lot of talk in New York, a lot of talk mm-hmm. in the industry. And as Brian Cashman told me, some talk within the organization that they ought to move Derek Jeter to center field because he was never going to be a great defensive shortstop. Right. And he said it was, you know, we fought against it. And Gene Michael was one of the guys... Stick Michael, great talent evaluator. He fought against it. He said, no, we're, we're, we're keeping this guy at shortstop. Well, it helps if he won a World Series, too. Yeah. <laughs> that helps. It too. does. It's, it's okay to, to let a kid figure it out when you're winning a World Series. Yeah, uh, Exactly. But, but my point is, this is, but no, this is back in single A. He was oh, making they, errors they, in single A. Yeah, they yeah. wanted to move him to the outfield in single A. Yeah. Because they just weren't certain that he would ever be able to, to, to play the position. And H- handle failure in New York. That, that's that's the one. That's the one. Thing. They never. They were never worried about that. They weren't. No. They knew that this this kid was. The, that wasn't the issue. The issue was, would he be good enough to be a major league? Good enough to be a major league shortstop? And the thing about those great Yankees teams, the things they did so well. And I know people who listen to the show have heard me say it, but the thing they did so well is they didn't make mistakes. Right? They chose Bernie Williams over Roberto Kelly. 
they chose Andy Pettit over Sterling Hitchcock. Mm. Uh, the the choices they made in terms of the players they got rid of, Kevin Moss, like all the, the, the decisions they made for the most part cleared the way for Posada, for Bernie Williams, for Mariano Rivera, yeah. for Derek Jeter. They cleared the way for them. You know, there was a time where Ramiro Mendoza was a setup guy for the Yankees and a great setup guy mm-hmm. for the Yankees. And there's how are they going to make Ramiro Mendoza work with – with uh, with with Mariano Rivera, who's going to do what? And they made the right call. And that's, I I always think of that whenever I hear people talk about, well, this guy's got to move position, this guy's mm-hmm. got to shift position. I I almost feel at times as if you got to just take a step back and go, okay, let's let's just let's let's wait a bit. Now we're joined by Pat Gillick. Pat, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, good to be with you all. Hey, I, I was just before we were cut off. I was asking the question. Um, I don't think I've ever asked you this, and I'm sure some of the other writers have, but when did you first become aware of Larry Walker? And and did he ever come close to being a Blue Jay at any time that you're aware of? Uh, not, that I'm, not that I'm aware of. Uh, the, the first time I think our scout time uh, was out in a, in a tournament in Kindersley, Saskatchewan. And, uh, and then later that summer uh, is... That was probably uh, midsummer, but later that summer, around Labor Day, um, uh, he signed with the Expos that year. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of when when you think of Larry Walker as a ball player? Well, I mean, uh, he's both sides of the ball. That's the kind of player he is. He's not only a heck of an offensive player; he's a heck of a defensive player also. So, I mean, he's he's a, a complete player that you can. Yeah, it, put on the field and you got a plus defensively and got a plus offensively and uh tremendous power, tremendous on base percentage. Uh, you know, he's, he's quite a player. Uh, Pat, did you ever hear anything about baseball IQ? We, we talk about a, a, uh, you know, players that are really good at athletic, but you rarely talk about a guy's baseball IQ. What was the word around Larry Walker's IQ? I, 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 I didn't hear anything about his IQ at all. I mean, uh, Larry was probably at, at one time uh, more of a hockey player than he was a baseball sure. player. I think he was playing more uh, hockey around Maple Ridge than he was baseball. Uh, I don't know anything about his, uh, his baseball IQ, um, so I can't, I can't really make comment on that. Pat, it was interesting hearing Larry talk about his path to the majors and you know, it got me thinking just how far the game has come in Canada now, with especially with you know the work that Greg Hamilton's done uh, with the national the national junior program. And and as I've said, look, the Blue Jays deserve a lot of credit for this because the Blue Jays really put down roots, especially where I was in Western Canada. The blue the, the Blue Jays put down really. It wasn't that baseball didn't have roots there, but the, the Blue Jays, I think, kind of it kind of did some gardening around the roots that were already there. Do you, as someone who's had a big role in this, you must just kind of sit back every now and then look at where we are with baseball in Canada right now. Look back to when Larry Walker was like, almost like considered a unicorn. It, it just must, must make you shake your head. Yeah. You know, it's, it's made a lot of progress uh, in Canada. In fact, you know, I think at times uh, people don't realize it uh, with, with the summer baseball and the fall programs and the traveling teams that they have now uh, active in Canada, they might they might play just as many or more games than uh, than they do in the U.S. because uh, 
you know, it's almost going either inside or outside, either in the wintertime, uh, you know, in a facility or, you know, outside when the weather is, is permissible. Uh, I think they're playing a lot more baseball than people really realize uh, north of the border. Okay, Pat, the first time, be honest with us. The first time when you saw Derek Jeter play, what was your first impressions? Uh, first impression was he, he was a kid that uh, had to work on his defensive skills, and uh, that's that's what he did. And I think he mentioned it today in his speech that, you know, one of the things that he really prided himself was hard work. And so, you know, uh, defensively, I think he had he, – when I saw him, he had some problems. That was way down – when he was down at Class A, but uh, he certainly made up for that. And, uh, again, uh, he's another player like Walker. He's both sides of the field. Uh, he can play defense, and he can play offense. And so uh, th- this was a no-brainer for me today that these two guys got in uh, based on their statistics, uh, both, uh, as I said, defensively and offensively. This this wasn't a hard decision, but uh, happy for both of them. Uh, I remember t- talking to Brian Cashman a couple of years ago about Derek Jeter, and, I, and this is, I think, what you were referring to, and, and the number of errors he made early in his his minor league career, and how there was some talk about moving him to the outfield. I don't know how much it was, in, in, in how deep it got internally in the Yankees organization, but but Brian said it, it, it was mentioned, and you know, a lot of the, the, the louder voices in the room said, "No, we're sticking with this guy. We're sticking with this guy at shortstop." As an evaluator. Um, how often do really good players come close to having a position shift thrown on them because of the issues they have in the minor leagues? Does it happen more often than we think it, than we think it does where an organization will, okay, we got to do this. And then suddenly they pull back and go, no, no, let's just, let's, let's keep the kid where he is. And then it works out. Well, it, it depends. It, a lot depends on the kid. If, if, if uh, what I said earlier in the conversation about Jeter, if you've got a guy that's got the heart, you've got a guy that's got the mental, the mental makeup, and the, he's got the work ethic, uh, and he's and he wants to work at it. Joe Morgan, I had uh, Joe Morgan when I first got into the game in the early '60s down in uh, in Houston, and he couldn't play second base, and he ended up winning about six Gold Gloves when he went to Cincinnati. And it was just through hard work. So, I mean, I think if if somebody is committed uh, and and be redundant, just work at the at their job, uh, they can usually, you know, overcome them. And in some cases, that 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 doesn't happen. But uh, I think you have to go as long as possible. If you think a guy's going to be a, a, a position player in the middle of the field, either short, second, or center field. Uh, you know, run the run the, run it out on him and, and work with him as much as possible because those people are very valuable. Pat, really good of you to join us today. Always great to get your insight. Thanks so much. Stay safe. Be well. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Pat Gillick, Hall of Fame member. Yeah. Former Blue Jays multiple team general manager. Yeah. Let, let, let me ask you this. Yes. Derek, Derek Jeter in his speech today was saying that uh, the reason why he was so good in the playoffs in October was he treated it just like any other game that he played in. You think you can teach players how to be that or how to do that? Would you? It's just, you know, not let the moment get too big for you. Treat it just like any other. Now, he had a lot of chances, obviously, to get it right. right? But do, do you think you think that's teachable? Or are you just born with that? To be able to do something like that, I, I think you have to experience it. I, I think almost anybody. I'm not going to say almost anybody can do it, but I think if you have the right support system, 
if you have the right manager. To, to me, the postseason is where the manager kind of makes, makes the difference because there's a lot of other stuff going on. You've got to create a culture that allows guys that allows guys to block it out, block it out. I mean, I think the thing about Derek Jeter was that he, 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 he got in a situation where there were so many really solid personalities around him. Yeah. Like they had some big names and some big personalities, mm-hmm. but there was this thing about the Yankees. I, I, David Justice is a perfect example. David Justice was considered to be kind of a jerk. David Justice joins the Yankees, and he's like, he becomes one of the game's grand old men. It's the Yankees had a way, a kind of, there was a, an expectation placed on you. Derek Jeter was very much part of it, but I just think it all fell into place with him when Joe Torre took over as manager, and and um, and I also think, you know what, I, I really believe the fact that he scuffled in the minors early in his career probably helped yeah. him, and probably showed him, you know, the organization had to show faith in him early. And they did. But uh, a guy to perform the way he performed in that market, that that to me is a thing. Like, yeah, there have been clutch players in, in different markets. Mm-hmm. But to basically play an extra full season of yeah. baseball in the postseason, and what did he finish with, like 300 mm-hmm. and win multiple World Series – at a time where the Yankees were the big bad Yankees, I don't know. I think you just have to have an inordinate amount of, of self-confidence uh, in order to pull it off. And, and I think you have to learn that. I really do. I think you have to learn it. Uh, 416-870-0590, star 591, 888-666-0590, is the text line. Lots of texts coming in. Simple question. Simple question as well for the callers. The Jays beating Garrett Cole last night. We know that if you look at the percentage odds, they're, they're, the odds of them going to the playoffs went up dramatically last night. If they lose the next two games, it'll go down dramatically. That's the way it is. But how do you feel right now about the Blue Jays and about the playoffs? 416-870-0590, star 591, triple eight, triple six, zero five ninety five ninety five ninety. Please text us name and location, Jeff. Nelson joins us next. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Thank you to uh, the baseball writers, all but one of you, who voted for me. (laughs) (laughs) That was uh, (laughs) Derek Jeter with some major major shade. Oh, that was great. That was that was spectacular. Um, yeah, I'm not going to get into Hall of Fame voting, uh, but yeah, as a how, hall, how do you not a, how do you not vote for? That's what as a saying? Hall of Fame voter, I can say that I have uh, anybody who's gotten in on the first ballot, I've I've voted for them. So um, I mean, he's got good company. Mike Schmidt didn't get didn't get a wasn't in unanimously, but uh, I don't know. That, that that's just it's such a weird thing maybe maybe Derek Jeter maybe made an error and cost somebody money at some point oh. or pissed somebody off though I don't know because I always you know as a visiting guy I always like dealing with Derek Jeter I, anyhow whatever uh things do happen um but again congratulations to uh Derek Jeter Larry Walker Ted Simmons they are all going into the Hall of Fame along with the late Marvin Miller 
who probably should have been in about 20, 25 years ago. Uh, game three of the Jays-Yankee series, a four-game series, is set to go tonight in the Bronx. Now, there is some inclement weather in the area, although we're looking out at our monitor here right now. It looks awfully nice in the Bronx as we speak, and the Jays are taking batting practice. Uh, Jeff Nelson is a former MLB pitcher. He's co-host of the New York Post's Pinstripe podcast, and he joins us on Baseball Central. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today. Greatly appreciate it. Hey, before we talk about the Yankees and the Jays, uh, you had a nice tweet about Derek Jeter, and I know you were a teammate of, of, of Derek Jeter's, and I don't know if I can ask you how would you sum up Derek Jeter's career, but I, I'd like to ask you this. Was the Derek Jeter we saw in the postseason the same Derek Jeter we would see on April 1st, May 29th, or September 12th? Yes, I, you know, thanks for having me, by the way. But, yeah, I, I, you know, I was listening to you guys for a little bit about as far as, you know, the voting. And, you know, there's probably many more unanimous guys before Mariano got it last, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't understand how that goes. But as far as, as, far as you know, Derek was one of those guys that when I remember him, I played against him a little bit when I was in Seattle. And he was in New York when he came up in 95. And then he, his rookie year in 96, we were teammates. And... He always seemed when every whenever there was a, a clutch situation or a big situation, he always came through. But at the same time, you mentioned he was the same guy all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, once he stepped between the lines, you know, I, I did. You know, I had a tweet. I said I've never played. I've played against a lot of great players in my career, a lot of Hall of Famers, but I don't know if I've ever played with one that has the passion to win as much as, as Derek did. You know, I, I played with Ken Griffey Jr., probably the greatest player I've ever seen and ever played against. Mm-hmm. You know, even, you know, maybe watching on TV. But, you know, Derek was one of those guys that might have been the most passionate, most driven player that I've ever seen or played against. See, yeah, that's, it, it's interesting. Look, I had no doubt that, that Derek Jeter was a, was a winner. I mean, I covered a ton of those postseason games and and you know was lucky enough to spend some time around that Yankees team and everything but you know I always thought of Derek Jeter as kind of the he was the the calm cool professional guy on the field right and that's why one of the reasons I thought he's the guy you want the ball hit to he's the guy you want up at the big time because he just has this sense of I'm this is what I'm I'm here for I know this is my moment but uh, like, was he was he the type of guy who would? I, I can't imagine he'd be the type of guy who'd give a big speech or anything like that. But how, how would that that sort of desire to win come through? Well, I think it set a great example, even to a lot of the veteran guys that that were around and, and watched how he went and did his business and how he cared so much about the game. Now, off the field, he was pretty much the same way. He was very calm, collective. We didn't have a lot of rah-rah guys in our locker room. We had certain guys that would speak up if Joe Torrey called a meeting, but other as far as rah-rah guys, we never really had that. And Derek wasn't one of those players to do that. He just led by, you know, you hear so much, oh, lead by example. But he was one of the guys that once he stepped on the field, his passion for winning carried carried over to everybody else. And you're seeing a young rookie go out and give 100% every single time as far as running down the first baseline, taking the extra base, doing whatever he could in the field. You know, it carries over to some of the older players. It's like, hey, we don't want to get showed up by this young guy, this young Derek Jeter. And, and, you know, it really resonated throughout the whole locker room in 96. 
Yeah, you know, let's uh, yeah, well, the one time that I met Derek Jeter, I hit a double and I was standing on second base and he walked by me and I'd never met him before and he looked right at me and said, nice swing, Kevin. And I never will forget that, that I thought, you know, that's that's the future Hall of Famer, Derek Jeter, and he yeah. mentioned me by my first name and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, he's, you know, he's that way. I mean, he has a lot of respect for the game and I listened to his speech and, you know, I, I haven't listened to a bunch of Hall of Fame speeches, but I was blown away by everything he said and, and how he, you know, it portrayed to the fans and to his family. And, you know, you're right. I mean, he took a lot of pride in the game. He, he took a lot of pride in every, how everybody played, even on opposing teams. And, you know, I think that's great. Sometimes, I mean, you, you're taught to hate the other team. And you say, no, you know what, Let's, we're not talking to him. But he probably went by, and like you said, he probably did it in, in a way that nobody ever even could sit to tell if he did it. Yeah, he tapped me. He tapped me on the backside and, and mentioned me by my first name, and I'll never forget that. But let, let's talk. Yeah. About, let's talk about the Yankees today. Well, what are you seeing from the Yankees lineup, and and why do you think they're having some troubles hitting now? I, I think the computer's messed up. Is the, the computer keeps spitting out the wrong lineup? <laughs> <laughs> um, it drives me nuts. I, you know, I I don't get it, but it drives me nuts. I know there's room for analytics I, i'm not going to totally trash it but there's there's the feel part of the game and the eye test as well but this the consistency you know I, I really liked when they went and got the they made the trade when they got gallo and rizzo I, I wasn't really on board with the gallo trade because he strikes out so much and the yankees already had that up and down the lineup yes they were right-handed dominant but they were they were they a lot of strikeouts through that lineup and, but they needed that power. They haven't had the power since 2009 as far as winning a World Series. The Yankees always had good left-handed power when they were a winning team. And then they added that, and then they went on that streak. It just so that you know the Rays went on the same kind of streak, and the Yankees could never gain, gain any ground. And unfortunately for the, for the Blue Jays, they kind of went the other way. I mean, mm -hmm. they, if they would have stayed with the Yankees and the Rays the whole time, I think they probably would have overtaken the Yankees by now in the standings, but they kind of fell off just a little bit. And, uh, but they're just too inconsistent. It's like a roller coaster ride for the guys, these guys. And, you know, their lineup has a hard time scoring runs. They have a lot of the same type of hitters as far as right-handed. Um, their bullpen has taken a huge hit as far as when Loiza got one of their setup guys and that they can go to in the closer role. He's probably going to be out for the rest of the season. Their starting rotation has just been inconsistent. It's 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 a shame because I thought going into the season that these this was one of the best teams in the American League, and now if they make the playoffs, it could be a surprise. And then you know I think it's a one game, and they're probably done. Jeff, what do you what has to happen for Glaber Torres' career to get back on track? He needs to move to second base. You know, you look at you look at uh, one of the things that I, I was a little disappointed with the Yankees in the winter time they didn't address the left-handed power. And I always thought that, you know, if you look at the numbers from Glaber Torres, he was a much better second baseman and offensively as well. That's when he hit his, what, 28 homers mm -hmm. uh, at second base. Then all of a sudden you're moving him to short because you didn't want to sign Didi, which I thought was a mistake. I would have, I would have, hey, you know, Luke Voigt, you're a good hitter. You led the home run. You led the league in home runs last year. I probably would have traded him, put LeMayu at first, and let Glaber go back to second. Because I think that's where he, that's where he belongs. There's a lot of guys through Major League Baseball that sometimes have a hard time with a position and or if they have to move to a different position, and I think it affects them at the plate. Uh, you, you know, you look at uh, what Alex Gordon, I think it was, with the, with the Royals. Perfect example. 
you know, he was he was in a George Brett shadows at third. You moved him to the outfield, and then all of a sudden he got relaxed, and he started showing it at the plate. And I just think you need to move Glaber back to second. Okay, when Garrett Cole gets back with the with the hamstring, whatever that is, well, what will you be keeping an eye on? Will it be velocity? Will it be extension? Will it be a secondary pitches? What what do you be keeping a sharp eye out for? Well, right now it's probably the sticky stuff because these guys, ever since they've been uh, banged by it, and and they're the umpires are looking for it. I think it's affected a lot of pitchers throughout the league. Uh, hopefully it's nothing serious. That it's not going to put him out too long. And, and he just felt something. He says, okay, it's time for me to come out instead of me making it worse. Um, I think anything you're talking about legs, you're going to have to worry about command and velocity. Mm-hmm. Jeff, really good of you to do this as always. Thanks so much, my friend. Stay safe. Be well. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks for having me guys. Take care. That is uh, Jeff Nelson, former major league uh, reliever. And um, he is now co-host of the New York Post Pinstripe podcast. Mm. Uh, I, look, we, I mean, we've talked about Glaber Torres. I think he's absolutely right. Glaber Torres either needs to change a scenery or change a location or maybe both. But uh, again, it's just that the idea... Well, here's the thing that it's, it's great that it's great that it, it's not great. If you're a Yankees fan that it happened today, Derek Jeter just went in the hall of fame. Mm -hmm. The Yankees are fighting to hold on to the top wild card spot. It's in the Bronx. It's September. The opposing team is sending a rookie out on the mound. And Gleyber Torres, who was supposed to be one of the foundational pieces of the next great Yankees dynasty isn't in the lineup. This is the type of game Derek Jeter would be in. I'm I'm just saying that that's, I'm not comparing him to Derek Jeter necessarily, but what I'm saying is this is traditionally the time where Yankees fans, and I know it hasn't happened for a while, but the Yankees fans of a certain age expect to see their team Step up. At yeah, I think time. we talk about both sides of the ball. Maybe Glaber Torres is not both sides of the ball guy. Maybe he's an offensive there player it's enti- only it's guy. A, it's entirely possible. And, you know, where, where would you put him that he doesn't, you know, footwork's not a big deal, accuracy, soft hands, mm-hmm. all of those things come into play being a shortstop. It's, uh, if you move him to second, is it, is it going to hide the fact that he, he can't do one of the two, two of the three? Like, he's an offensive player first for me. Expectations in Yankee Stadium, you know, they put so much pressure on him to be – the shortstop, you know, when yep. the ball sits somewhere around him, he, you're expected to make the play sort of like Bo is here. It's just a, it's a, it's a lot to ask a guy that's maybe not capable of doing that. It's a uh, reliever day, by the way, we'll be joined by Brad Lidge at the top of the hour. 416-870-0590, star 591 888 is walk-off Wednesday. So I made the call yesterday saying that the Jays, if they beat Garrett Cole, would go to the playoffs. Uh, and why not stick with it? Mm. Why not stick with it at mm. this point in time? How do you feel about it? And you watched that game last night. We not, yes, I know Garrett Cole left early with a hamstring injury, but uh, I love the Jays' approach against Garrett Cole. I like just about everything I saw out of that game compared to the way things sometimes happen when the Jays play the Yankees. So we know that the percentage the chances of the Jays making the playoffs improved dramatically over these past two, two days based on the postseason percentage calculation. Have those chances improved dramatically in your mind? 416-870-0590, star 591, 888 
590-590. If you want to text us name and location, you're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, 416-870-0590, star 591 888 is walk-off Wednesday. Your calls, your texts. Jay's going to the postseason, hmm? Yes or no? Anything else you wish to discuss with Kevin Barker or myself? Let's go to Darren and Bolton. Darren, thank you for your patience. Hey, boys, uh, I just wanted to bark at Bark for a second and run this by him. Bark um, at Bark, go ahead. Yeah, so Semyon, I wanted to discuss Semyon. I love him, obviously, having a crazy year. Now, he's going into free agency. Where in the world is he going to get the protection that Vladdy offers behind him? Because I cannot believe that this guy is still getting fastballs. There's no way he should be getting fastballs thrown at him, and he just keeps turning them around and putting them in the upper deck or in the second deck. It just makes no sense to me, and I hope that Semyon realizes he's not going to be getting the protection that Vladdy's offering. Mm. Well, that, that's a great question. Thanks for the call. Uh, it's look, he, he's going to go the highest bidder. I mean, let's be honest. That if if somebody offers him four or five years at 125 million, he'll go there. The the protection thing, you know, I, I think the Yankees are trying to throw him. Change-ups, they're trying to throw him fastballs away. They'll sprinkle in an occasional curveball slider kind of thing. He's very good at the having the approach of, I want the ball close to me. It's very hard to start a slider at him where that goes strike the ball. Normally, those sliders that start right at you are ending up right down the middle, and that's sort of what he's looking for is something that he can catch out in front of the plate because he's a dead pull hitter. To, to your point, it's he does get about 58% fastballs. Now, now a lot of that does have who's hitting behind him, but I will say you have to force yourself into getting some good counts, getting some good fastball counts, and he does that right now better than anybody that, that you're seeing. And, you know, it's a combination of a bunch of things. Now, now the, the protection, he doesn't care. Like, he, this is his year to make money. He'll go to the highest bidder. If the Jays are the highest bidder, he'll be here. You know, he, he'll go if it's a – you know, name another team. The Yankees are looking for a shortstop. He goes to the Yankees. I don't think he cares who the protection is. That's just me. Yeah, no, I think you're. Uh, I yeah. think you're. Ab- I think you're absolutely right. It's going to come down to money in term. There it is, and it should. Frankly, for for him, it should. Yeah, at this you, stage of his career, it should come down. It's normally, not like like I, I agree with what Dan O'Dowd told us about Robbie Ray. In some cases, maybe Robbie Ray, you got a good thing going here. Marcus Simeon, that travels. I don't know if Robbie Ray's stuff. I don't know if Robbie Ray travels away from Pete Walker and all that. I I don't know. But, you know, Marcus Simeon. And and plus, the other thing, too, is Marcus Simeon could be a shortstop or a second baseman. So, I mean, he's going to – the market's going to be really See, robust dis- for him. I might disagree about the Robbie Ray thing. I think the two-pitch thing's easy traveling. You know, he's figured out how to, to make the turn on the mound, consistently sit in his – you know, in his body and understand mm. what he's doing over the rubber. I think he can do that anywhere. You know, it's the it's the two-pitch thing for me. Is that going to travel? You know, next year, if he, if he doesn't have the bite on the slider, then what? Ken and Barry, we talked about the postseason. I think the deck is still stacked against them, but uh, watching meaningful, exciting baseball into September was all I was asking for back in, in April. And that that's, I mean, this is truly meaningful baseball. This isn't meaningful baseball as in, well, you're not mathematically eliminated yet. This is meaningful baseball as in shoot. You might get you might get to host the wild card game. You, you, you might. 
You might get the host. Yeah, it may come. It may you might come, get the host of wild card. It may come down to those three home games against the Rays and those three away games against the Rays. They're going to have to. You know, can you take? You uh, can you go four and two in those games? That'll be the question. Matt in North Van, North Vancouver, keeps pointing out. Matt, very very perceptive. Got to keep pointing this out. The games in hand. The games in hand. The games in hand. And seven more games against the Orioles. I mean, those games in hand do. You count. Those are opportunities. Those are opportunities for the Blue Jays. I, look, I just think they're sitting. I think, I think they're sitting. I think they're sitting. I don't know if you could sit any be- better right now in the wild card race other than being in first place be, in the it, American League East. Like, be, I'd rather be the Jays than the Yankees. I'd rather be, be the Jays than the Reds. It'll side. be interesting to see how this team handles going into series, expecting to win every well, single that game. Is, that, that'll be an interesting thing. Going to Yankee Stadium, they're, they're not expected to, to sweep the Yankees. Go, when Oakland came to the Rogers Center, were they expected to sweep the A's? Absolutely not. So, be interesting to see how they handle that. Brad Lidge joins us next. Ben Wagner as well. More texts, more calls. Keep the texts coming. We will continue to go to the text line. We have a lot of them. Be patient with us. 416-870-0590. Star 590. One triple eight triple six zero five ninety. Give us a call as well. It is Walk Off Wednesday. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash, on the Sportsnet Radio Network. If you get a good start, you get a chance to win, and that's what we have right now. Every start has been lights out. That is Toronto Blue Jays manager Charlie Montoyo. Boy, he's not kidding. Every starter's been lights out, including Stephen Matz. Tonight, Alec Manoa takes the mound in a little more than an hour at Yankee Stadium against Luis Heel of the New York Yankees. The Jays looking for their third win in as many games in the Bronx. Series wraps up tomorrow. Again, a reminder, there is inclement weather in the New York area. Uh, we're keeping an eye on the sky there, but We've got a live monitor right here, and the, the Yankees are taking batting practice, and it, it, it looks great. A little windy, maybe, but uh, hopefully they can get it in today. Tomorrow doesn't look much better, and, uh, boy, if you're the Blue Jays, I don't think you want a great – you don't want a huge backlog of games. Absolutely not. Uh, coming up down the stretch, if you're especially the way you're hitting right now. If you're the Blue Jays, you want to be playing five games a day right now, <laughs> given the way they're hitting. Yeah, you really do. You want a, you want a quintuple header. Huh. Uh, breaking news just before we get to Brad Lidge of the uh, of MLB Network, uh, MLB Network uh, Radio, sorry. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays have extended the contract of general manager Eric Neander, mm. which is intriguing because in the past two days, a lot of the louder voices in the Major League Baseball national media, of course, they've been weighing in on the mess the New York Mets are in, a lot of folks have been saying Eric Neander would be a really good choice to be New York Mets GM, get some of that Rays magic. Well, mm. it looks as if the Rays are going to uh, going to re-sign Eric Neander and keep him with the organization for a while. It, and, and, I mean, why not? Whatever the hell the Rays are doing is working really well. Well said. Uh, Brad Lidge is a former MLB closer, 2008 World Series champion. He is co-host of Inside the of uh, Inside Pitch on MLB Network Radio, and he joins us on Baseball Central. Brad, thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate your time. Um, look, we're getting set to see the Yankees and the Jays play tonight. The Jays, you know, Seattle won today, so Seattle's now a half game back of the Jays. 
Uh, and the Jays are, you know, back of the Yankees and Red Sox in the wild card race. A, a lot of talk, obviously in Toronto, about what the Jays are doing. But it seems as if uh, there's also a great deal of talk about what the hell has happened to the Yankees after that after that winning streak. It, it's it's is, yeah. is it simply a matter of, of you know it started with the bullpen with Lewiska getting hurt and and you know now Joey Gallo is kind of doing Joey Gallo things and. It almost seems as if you're, getting, right. you're seeing a perfect storm develop for the Yankees here. Yeah, it's interesting because I think you saw a perfect storm develop for uh, you know on the upside for them uh, when Rizzo and Gallo got over there and the lineup became very complete, uh, very you know a lot more balanced left and right. Um, and I think they rode that momentum for a while, and it just you know the stretch of games they had, everything just kind of worked out in their favor. Loisaga was pitching great, uh, you know it, it just the bullpen was doing the job. I wouldn't say that I felt super confident in them, but they were getting the job done. The starting pitching was going great. And, you know, now it's, it's those guys, those, those offensive players that they have that are streaky hitters have gone to a, you know, a streak the other direction. I mean, is there any more streaky hitter in the game than Joey Gallo? You know, you bring a guy in there like that when, a, when you already have a lineup with a lot of swing and miss, and you're going to have, you know, these types of scenarios where you rip off a bunch of games in a row, everyone's hot, and then all of a sudden everyone gets cold. And uh, that's the nature of the Yankees lineup, even really before they got Rizzo and Gallo. But, uh, you know, Rizzo may be a little more consistent. Gallo, uh, certainly, you know, still the same guy that's going to hit a lot of home runs and swing and miss a lot. Um, and so, you know, I'm not terribly surprised the Yankees weren't able to sustain this. A lot of people were like, oh, here they come. You know, this is the Yankees lineup and everything else we've always been waiting for. But if you look back at great Yankee lineups, they never consisted of so many guys that swing and miss the way they do now. Uh, that was just never how they were created. I mean, you, you had left-handed hitters in those lineups that made a lot of contact, put the ball in play a lot more. And so it's, it's really hard to consistently win when you've got all that swing and miss. And you mentioned some injuries to the bullpen and, uh, you know, some lack of confidence in guys. And, and obviously Britain's done. So, um, the Yanks are not a complete team, I think, is the most important thing to remember. They can be chased down. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be, but they certainly can. Even if they get to the postseason, though, I don't expect them to advance very far this year. Okay, to piggyback off that a little bit, you're a perfect guy to ask this. You know, the, the Yankees don't play good defense. And, and the, do pitchers sit around and go, well, you know, defensively they're not very good. This guy's not catching the ball. Maybe I shouldn't throw this in this account. Did, this time of the year, the year, do you think pitchers sit around and, and think about things of – you know, where, where guys are struggling defensively. I No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's more just a matter of you, you understand what your defense is and you understand who you are as a pitcher. If, if Look, if you're a ground ball pitcher and, and you're getting out there and you come into the game and there's guys on base and, you know, you need to get a ground ball double play and, and you know, coming out of the bullpen and you execute and you get that ground ball, but they're not able to roll a double play or some bad defensive cue is made behind you you can't all of a sudden change your game to, to, you know, try and take that into account. You have to do what you're best at. Some guys are swing and miss guys. I mean, the Yankees certainly have some swing and miss guys out of that bullpen, but in truth, you, as a pitcher, you're not going to change anything from who you are and what makes you good. You're going to continue to go to your strengths. You might recognize that it's just going to be one of those deals where uh, if you, if you had a better defense, you might personally have had a better year. Um, but what can you do? I mean, you can't change or alter how you pitch. Uh, just based on you know the defensive alignments or whoever's put in at, at any position at any time, you you got to go with your strengths as a pitcher. Now you're the perfect guy to ask this question uh, of the Jays. Jordan Romano, their closer, uh, made a a 
pretty significant change in his in his delivery. Uh, in, I guess not in the middle of the season, but a little before. He used to do this kind of this this crouch thing that Ken Giles did, and then he stopped doing it. And he had a couple of outings where his his velocity went down. He stopped doing it. And now he's got kind of this little thing where he moves to the side, but it's a lot quieter than it was before. And lo and behold, he's having success with it. Brad, how hard is it for? Yeah, you know, a starter. If you're a starter, you got you, you. You, I guess you can make some changes. You got some innings. You got a lot of days in between to work and stuff. But man, you're a closer. You could be like pitching tonight and maybe tomorrow, and then maybe have three days off, or maybe you're going two days in a row. How hard is it for a closer to make a major mechanical adjustment in season? Such a good question. That dropped. Mm. Um, I, again, Bradley just a ton yeah. of saves. He was a great closer. Well, I got to I got to be honest with you. Optics would say with Jordan Romano hadn't been real tough. Like the velocities went up. He's he started dominating people. Now, Brad is obviously the, the perfect guy to ask mm-hmm. that. But you know, it seems like a big move. But man, you can tell it just it's giving him confidence. It, it, he looks more fresh on the mound. Like he can just grip it and rip it and throw it where he wants to throw it and throw as hard as he wants to throw it and. He looks good. That'd Julian Merriweather, by the way, was activated tonight and uh, for tonight's game. And I asked somebody in the Jays organization what to expect from Julian Merriweather. He said, I don't know, probably three up, three down, and then hopefully he doesn't go in the IL the next morning. Mm. That's basically where we are with Julian Merriweather. A, bit, yeah. swing and, a lot of swing and miss stuff against uh, against a lineup with a lot of swing and miss in it. So uh, this this is, you know, I think the timing's interesting. Tim Mays' workload's gone up a bit. Now they got they got... They have Julian Merriweather. They can give him a run out here. Um, again, I'd like to see Nate Pearson on the mound at Yankee Stadium, but hey, I'm not. I think, I think they have. I point. think they have a lot more velocity now. Uh, we're rejoined by Brad Lidge. Brad, thanks for your patience. I was just making a point that Jordan Romano, the Jays' closer, made a pretty significant change uh, in season. Stopped doing this deep, deep bend that Ken Giles did, and went back to kind of a more conventional delivery and lo and behold the velocity's been better the control's been better how hard is it for a closer to make a major mechanical change in season uh it's really difficult and and you know credit to him if he's able to continue to ride this out but you know sometimes it's not even a a huge mechanical adjustment this one may be a little bit probably when you actually look at his delivery it's not too much different but i would just say this if it frees you up mentally, if you think you've made the right adjustment and you go out there and you have a couple good outings with that, whatever that adjustment is, it, it, closing is such a confidence game. So if you feel like you're in a great position to get the job done because you've made an adjustment, then by and large, do it every single time. It's not an easy thing to do on the fly. Um, typically, if something's bothering you or maybe you're having a little bit of shoulder soreness or I, I actually tore meniscus in 2009 in Philly and I had to change my mechanics on the fly and it ended up really bad. So, you know, if you're doing something out there because not because you're hurt, but because you think you can get an edge and then you have a couple games where it goes well, well, guess what? You not only have the physical edge, but now you've got the mental edge and you expect and anticipate, uh, you know, to go out there and have success and confidence and whatever that was, you feel like it was the right thing to do. And so, yeah, ride that thing. And, you know, it is. It's crazy how closing is such a confidence game, but it, it looks like it was the right move for him. Okay, now I know you know that, that Larry Walker and Derek Jeter went into the Hall of Fame today, uh, and you yep. have faced both of those guys. Take us through yes. your take us through your game plans on how you tried to get both of those guys out. 
Well, it certainly wasn't easy, um, you know, for either one of them. And I, you know, I was, we were talking about my, my numbers against Larry Walker. Uh, I, I guess I did pretty good. I, you know, I think he was like one for 10 or something off me, but it felt like he owned me. So I don't know. <laughs> I think he hit a lot of really loud outs. Uh, if I had to look back and see exactly what happened there, but, um, you know, he was just one of those guys that had, you know, we talk about bat-to-ball skills. I mean, he was such a tough out. I think the biggest thing for me is I just didn't want to leave a ball over the middle of the plate because when he got into it, I mean, it was a 450, 480-foot shot. Um, just a really uh, pure hitter. Like, I mean, had just a great idea, would take his walks when he needed. And with Derek Jeter, it was one of those deals where you knew going up what his strengths were. You knew he, if you threw him a fastball away, he was going to pound it to right field. And if you elevated it, he might shoot it out, especially in Yankee Stadium. So you're just trying to crowd him in as much as possible, throw him sliders in the dirt. Hope, hopefully he doesn't see it that day and he's swinging and missing. But uh, really, you know, in my opinion, Derek Jeter is one of those guys that even when you get ahead, even if you have a strikeout pitch, uh, there's no easy at-bats. Because if you get him 0-2 or 1-2, then he's so great at letting the ball travel deep across the plate and seeing if it's a strike or not, flicking off really good pitches, kind of spoiling a strikeout pitch and staying alive in the at-bat until you make a mistake. And he's done it so well for so many years. So, I mean, for me, it was like pound him in, and, and hopefully he rolls one over to the shortstop. That's your only chance, really. Hey, Brad, did, did Derek Jeter ever change demeanor during an at-bat against you? Because you could bring it. Like, did he ever change demeanor at all? You know, it's funny. I think early in my career, I faced him, you know, a couple times. And uh, I think he, you know, early in my career, he kind of flew out to right field. Uh, I think I was able to strike him out maybe once in, in, in the World Series in 2009. But I remember toward the end of my career, I was facing him. I was in Washington, and my velocity had gone down a lot my last year. I was dealing with some uh, injuries. I was kind of taping myself out there. And it's funny that you asked that question because I think I threw him a first-pitch fastball. This was literally like my last outing in my career. And it was like an 89-mile-an-hour fastball. And he crushed it to left field. But he was so far ahead of it, he actually pulled it way foul. Because, you know, the last other times I faced him, I was throwing a lot harder. And he actually, he's such a good dude. He actually steps out of the box and looks at me. And it kind of like looks at me. He's like, are you feeling all right? Like kind of one of those looks like, you okay, buddy? And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I don't need this. It's probably time to retire. But, uh, you know, he was he's such a good dude. And I think he ended up hitting a rocket, you know, off me and that at bat, uh, you know, right between shortstop and third base because I just didn't have the velocity to even make him hit it to right field. So, uh, But he certainly would change his approach in and at bat. If you beat him with a fastball early, he could get a little bit quicker if he needed to. If, if he felt like he was on time, he could, he could wait a little bit longer. He was always trying to shoot that fastball to right field, which allowed him, if you had a good breaking ball, even if he was a little bit earlier ahead on it, he could still hit it hard to left field. So he just covered the plate and, you know, to left field, right field, whatever it was. And obviously he rode that approach to 3000 plus hits. So, you know, a guy like that is a special, unique talent, but he really sees things well. And, you know, like I said, I, I got to play with him in 2000. He's a great guy. I got to play with him in 2006 in the, in the first ever world baseball classic thing we did. And man, nothing but good things to say about him. Such a great teammate. Always wanted to make sure everyone was, feeling good around him. He'd take time to talk to guys about college and everything else. So uh, just a, just an awesome guy. Brad, listen, that's a great story. Thanks so much for joining us. Great stories. Great insight. Thank Thanks you so much. All right. You bet guys. Have a good one. Take care. That's Brad Lidge, 2008 world series champion, former MLB closer co-host of mm. the inside pitch of inside pitch. I'm sorry. In MLB network wonder radio. How, wonder how Derek Jeter would have handled the shift. 
He would have, well, he would do that. That inside, I don't know how you, I don't know if he could shift against him. That inside out swing. I mean, that's a classic stick inside a, out stick swing. A guy is between the Jeter. first and second base hole. Yeah, he would have. Well, he would have played during shifts. Your shift there. Not, not dramatic like this. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to look at his. He, I, I just, Derek Jeter might be the only player whose swing I remember because of the inside out going to the opposite field. Mm-hmm. Again, just about every other hitter, you know, like we're watching Larry on TV. I, I think Larry could do it as well, but it's the, the classic Derek Jeter swing to me is always opposite field. It just, it just is. That's a great story about looking out, dude, are you okay? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, and you know, one of the things we talked about this, and, and it was a great story you told about Derek tapping well, you in the rear he end. Had no, he had no idea who I was. No, he probably he, saw my name on the scoreboard. You but. know what though? Derek Jeter, you use this phrase all the time. There is no player in baseball. I remember who had as much court awareness. You use that phrase all That's it. the time. That's it. He just got it. Yep. Put it that way. 416-870-0590, star 591 The text line, it is walk-off Wednesday. We have a ton of texts. A couple of you seem to think that. Jim and Aurelia says, Mr. Jeff and Mr. Barker, I'm not a doctor, but it looked like Mr. Cole suffered from a severe scram string injury. You know, like exit stage left cramping. There seems to be this idea out there that, Garrett Cole would have taken himself out of the game because his numbers were. I, I, folks, I'm sorry. I don't think Garrett Cole's wired that way. That I'm getting a little touched here tonight. I think I'll. I think I'll pull myself out of the game. A couple of people weighed in with that. Eh, yeah, no, so. let's let's be honest. If if DJ LeMahieu would have caught that ball at second base and turned that double play, it might have been a different story. Yep. So so yeah, you know, you you bring up the the entire game of the Yankees right now. It's just not real good. And then you add the to the mix that they don't have their horse. And there's a little doubt when he might pitch again. See, I'm not buying any of that. But look, it's I, I you, sometimes sometimes it's very hard to give the offense a lot of credit against a guy of Garrett Cole's stature. And I and I I've said it to you, and I'll continue to say it. If you can lay off that strike to ball and get your pitch, it's hard. It's hard to to have enough confidence in your mechanics to having it bat behind in the count. It just looks to me like not maybe not one through nine. Mm-hmm. But I'll give you one solid through seven of the Jays lineup right now. Today is not afraid to do that. Should mention, by the way, the Seattle Mariners came back and uh, beat the Houston Astros. Yeah, you jinxed today. it. I jinxed it. You said it out loud. What the said? The, the, what the, out loud? That the, the Astros are winning. Well, they were winning. I, well, so, I mean, they, they they were winning. How did I jinx it? They were winning. What are we going to do? The out of town score, but let's not give that score because mm. they're. No, you don't believe in that BS. You're not. You're not like one of those people. No, don't mention that the. Don't mention that there's a perfect game or a no hitter in progress because you'll jinx it. Well, if you I know was, my if response I was to 10, that is always. Was, well, if I was ten for ten, I'd wear the same same pair of socks. I'd drive the same yeah. route to to work. I'd eat at the same place, Jimmy John's. I would. So I, yeah, when, when it comes to being superstitious about certain things, of course I here don't is, rock the boat. This is from the horse's mouth. Ron Hassey caught two perfect games, Len Barkers and Dennis Martinez. Mm. When he caught Dennis Martinez's perfect game, I up to Ron Hassey afterwards, and I said, did you tell Dennis he did perfect games? <laughs> yeah, in like the fifth inning. 
I said, really? He goes, yeah, I told him in the fifth inning, guy, your stuff's good, man. Keep it up. <laughs> and I said, did Nobody's you, did you talk about it in the seventh inning? He said, yeah. And he said, and I didn't have to talk to him about the eighth inning because he knew. And I said, yeah, because, you know, there's that whole thing. He said, listen, if you can throw, he said, the whole perfect game no-hitter jinx doesn't exist. It, it, he said, I, we talk about it in the dugout. Mm. So, same thing with Len Barker. And Len Barker was, you know, and he, he told Len all the time, Len, yeah. you, got a, you got a no-hitter, you got a perfect game going. Has he, so, so I feel if, if the catcher is telling the pitcher that's okay. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, about, all, I'm, all right I'm kidding about the scoreboard thing, but I, I find it hard to believe that that most pitchers are like that. That that conversation would take place, and and it's not a big deal. Like there's, you know, there's there's mm. certain times it's not a big deal, and then there's certain times that you just get away from it. Clifton and Etobicoke's weighing in on the tax line five ninety five ninety. Now Clifton, of course, backs up his comments with cash. And Clifton will make a comment about something. You know that that means Clifton's sure toss some money down. Mm-hmm. So this is Clifton. Manoa's going to carve up this lineup Ooh. tonight. He just needs a few runs. Yeah, I think you can. Do I, it. I think you can do it two pitches. Oh, sinker four seamer. Yep. You get, you get after him with it. Uh, do we talk about what? Do you watch the guy in front of you? What, how he's getting that team out? It's real simple. Heater, 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 and more heaters. The, the, you know, old school, uh, uh, hard end, soft away. Well, that's the Yankees. Right do you now. think? Do you think that teams and pitching staffs they go into a series and look? I'm sure the Jays, the Jays are aware, obviously, of who's hitting and who isn't. But do you think when you see a manager bench a couple of guys and then run out a lineup, you know, DJ LeMahieu hitting fifth? Do you think the pitchers look at that and go, okay, these guys know they're scuffling? Does that change? The pitcher's mindset. percent. Everybody knows what's going on around them and who's struggling, who's not struggling. And that's why that's why it's bred about the defense. Yeah. If Glaber Torres is playing shortstop and you're a ground ball guy, you tell me you won't we'll probably go four seamer up and away to a to a guy that hits a bunch of ground balls in a big situation. That's the whole point is. And and these guys know who they need to try and pick up. And but I'm just telling you right now, I text somebody today about the Yankees lineup and I said, look, their their bats look super slow to me, and they they text me back a shh. No, they do look. They they do look uh, really slow. Yeah, there. It's just. It's not the same. Uh, it's just. It's it's very odd. I mean, I, I you know, look. I wasn't. I was down on the Yankees early in the year, and then I you know gave them credit. It's hard not to give them credit when they go on that winning streak. But I, I think you know, Jeff Jeff Nelson made the point. That's there's some big names in that lineup, but they're really easy to pitch to. And I I'll tell you what. I never thought I'd see a Yankees lineup with the names Odor and Velasquez in it in September. Like, kind of like, you know, Odor's kind of like a dead-end kid. I, I don't know. That's... And, 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 again, I'm not, you know, you know how I felt about Joey Gallo and that trade. I'm not surprised about that. But uh, this is a pretty easy lineup to pitch to. I'm surprised. 416-870-0590, star 591, 888-666-0590. I mean, there's that lack of professional hitter that you used to see in every Yankees lineup. Maybe DJ LeMayhew is the guy. Ben Wagner is our radio voice. He will have a call tonight, 705. First pitch from the Bronx. Alec Manoa on the mound for the Jays. Luis Hill for the Yankees. The Jays looking to take three of three, hoping that they can do it before the heavens open up. 
the game gets rained out. Ben Wagner joins us next. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. First pitch is 7.05. Jays are going to make it three in a row against the New York Yankees. All Probably win this something like 6-1. All of a sudden, you went from 83 wins to just, boy, you're running into the playoffs. You're not backing into it. Just running into it. Ben, you know, didn't you say host a playoff game? Oh, yeah. That's exactly what you no, said. I, well, yeah, I'm the host of a wild card Holy game. moly. Ben Wagner will be behind the uh, mic today as the Jays take another step towards the postseason. He joins us on Baseball Central. Like I said yesterday, if they beat Garrett Cole... Uh, they're going to the playoffs, so World Series bound. And I did You're not say one. I did not say World Series. I did not say World Series. <laughs> uh, we'll see Alec Manoa on the mound tonight against the uh, against the the Yankees. But before we talk about that game, I want to take a look back last night. Two guys in particular, Stephen Matz, who's had a terrific run. That unfortunately, I, I don't. I, not many of us are talking about. I know you talked about it last night in the, on the broadcast, Ben. Uh, uh, Stephen Matz has had a terrific run, and Alejandro Kirk. Um, what surprises you more, Alejandro Kirk doing what he's done lately, or Stephen Matz doing what he's done? Probably Matz because it's this is an extended run now, right? Yeah, this is a couple of weeks. We're going back a couple of months now for for Stephen Matz. Yeah. When you look at the leaders in just pure numbers. From August 1st, Steven Matz is right there behind Robbie Ray on who's dominated in ERA. He's logged innings. He's improved since coming off the COVID IL. It's one of the unsung heroes of this season for the Toronto Blue Jays. And you weren't sure at the beginning of the year what kind of Steven mm-hmm. Matz you were going to get. Not even going into the year, but even start to start. You know, where are you going to get a guy that unravels if an inning goes bad? Is an inning going to blow up in him? Is his command going to get lost? That has not been the case since he had that little lapse. And he missed a couple of weeks, come out of the All-Star break. He's only gotten stronger. He's only pitched himself into better positions to to win ball games. He was not hit hard last night at all. Yeah. I mean, singles. That's it. That's all the Yankees had. And I know Aaron Boone tried to get a little bit creative with his lineup. And he benched Joey Gallo. And Gary Sanchez wasn't in there. And Glaber Torres is clearly in the doghouse. Mm-hmm. Very, very big doghouse that he's residing in. Um, but Steven Matz, to me, is one of the great second-half surprises for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, Alejandro Kirk is a very nice, pleasant surprise mm-hmm. as well. People know that he can handle the bat. Was was I in the camp that thought, you know, he would be somebody that in the month of September would have to DH if George Springer wasn't in this lineup? No chance. Yeah. I thought Major League Pitching would catch up with Alejandro Kirk. I really did. I think I think a lot of us did. And, and, you know, and my, and my point was, and I still look, yeah, he, he works well with Robbie Ray. I, I, all I said is the same thing I've said all along. There's something there. I think I, there's something there now as a guy who, who I think can hit major league pitching. I just, I need to see if he can handle that position and, and be the guy to catch, you know, even, even, even three times a week. Yeah, I think September I game calling for me. I don't know about you two guys. You, you guys watch as many games as I do. Well, again, you have to you play the, the tighter, cleaner baseball in September. The, yeah, the, just ga- the game calling, too. You know, it's one thing to do it with Ray with two pitches. It's another thing to get Alec Manoa through with two different fastballs, two different sliders, a changeup. Which when might, you throw might be why you we're throw seeing Jano behind That's a plate That's exactly tonight. why you're seeing him. Uh, 
So Joey Gallo's back in the lineup. This is kind of an odd. I mean, I don't know how I haven't followed the Yankees, their lineups all year long, but Gardner, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, LeMahieu in the fifth spot, Gallo, Sanchez, Odor, and Velasquez. It's kind of an odd look for the Yankees, is it not? For me, it's an odd look. It looks like they're trying to balance out the left-handed bats a little bit more, mm-hmm. too. That's why you move Gardy up. Gardy hasn't hit in the top spot, you know, you know, frequently in a long time. Yeah. Let alone what, you know, Judge, Rizzo, and then Stanton. LeMahieu, for me, you know, for a contact guy, and I know the average isn't as high as what DJ LeMahieu usually has, but mm-hmm. he never looks overmatched when he's in the batter's box for me. So having that threat in the middle of the lineup, I think, is a little bit of a mastermind scheme from wherever the Yankees are coming at trying to get to Alec Manoa. I think this lineup has more to do about Alec Manoa than it does actually about mm. the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. We see Julian Merriweather tonight? Yes. I think you see Julian he's Merriweather fir- He's tonight. the first guy? Or he's the last guy? Uh-huh. He is, uh, yeah. How do you like that? There you go. That, that's a really good question because you're likely not going to have Jordan Romano tonight. Yeah. Um, and that's and you're not going to have Tim Mesa tonight no. either. I think so I think he, you, I think he's a guy tonight. Whoa. I think you know what this is why you bought this. Hey, this is why you bought him up. This is why you bought him up. You're saying Julian Merriweather is a guy tonight? Yeah, yep. I think Julian Merriweather and Nate Pearson both get an appearance for tonight. the ninth yep. inning in Yankee Stadium. Well, he's, worked. He he did it the last. He did it twice the first series, didn't he? There's been 126 games in between, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, here's the yeah. thing. It, look. It, if Julian Merriweather delivers a couple of saves at Yankee yeah, yeah. And, and and you finish the year with Julian Merriweather having given you three or four saves at Yankee Stadium, uh, that's... If you finish this week with Julian Merriweather, that's a success yeah, for the Toronto is. Blue Jays. I hate to be so cruel about it, but I mean, this is where the Blue Jays are. And this was part of the argument mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks with Nate Pearson when he was in AAA. Was his body healthy? Was it responding well after every outing? There was a collection of people that said why are we wasting these bullets in triple a julian merriweather gets to the same spot if he's got the stuff we know that the shelf life is not going to be long for yeah. julian merriweather and you know i, I gotta say this and I, and I have said this the last time and i don't think people necessarily agree with me and that's fine but i think you kind of you've almost bought yourself you put yourself back in a position here that i think you can afford to maybe take a gamble tonight with nate pearson if you have to i i, I and with a quick hook but I think you put yourself in a position where you can do it. You got a four-game series. Yeah. You've taken the first two. You're playing with house money I, tonight, right? Absolutely. You've got a rookie on the mound, even though he's posted pretty good numbers. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty good numbers against Baltimore and Boston when things weren't going so well against the Red Sox. That was a back half of doubleheader with Luis Heal. That's who's going to throw tonight up from AAA for the Yankees, right? Uh I think that the Blue Jays are going to be more aggressive tonight on the pitching side of things versus the conservative and try to map it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, well, you, mapping it out's an interesting way to say because you, you mentioned last night Soria, he faced eight, nine, and one in the order. Mesa faced two, three, four. Romano faced five, six, seven. They're trying to figure out ways to maximize what they got and who they're going to give it to. So, so you're if you're going to use those guys, you got to be real careful, right? Is it lefty? Is it righty? How many are in a row? Everything factors in. Yeah. Everything factors in. That's why when you see somebody warming up in the bullpen, the guy behind that shoulder of the pitcher is Matt Bushman with a lineup card in his hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he is plotting it out because he's got the heat map. He's got who's, uh, you know, green, yellow, red in terms of matchups and who then can also favor in a matchup for the Blue Jays too. Yeah, I, I uh, this would be fun. I mean, like I said, I've been waiting to I, see. I've been waiting to see Nate Pearson in this situation why not and and boy if it works 
I mean, I don't have to tell you, if the Jays win a game in Yankee Stadium and Nate Pearson looks good, I mean, you want to talk about having a spring in your step. What role do you think weather will play here? We know that there's a chance that there could be rain later on. We also know that there's uh, some rain in the forecast for tomorrow. Um, yeah, I'm not, we can't guess about the weather, but I'm sure if you're Charlie and Pete and, and Matt Bushman, you're you're cognizant of it right now. You're very aware of it. I think we're all very aware of looking at uh, the weather, and I checked it, I don't know, like nine hours before the first pitch, and then I threw my phone down thinking, what in the world am I doing checking the weather this far out? <laughs> uh, the hour by hour for me, you know, is going to be significant. Here we are. We're looking at it. You get to the 10 o'clock range, it jumps to 30%, 11 o'clock, then it's 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, weather, weather becomes a factor when weather is a factor. And if there is an official game, being posted, then it's, I think you try to slam the door. Yeah. I think you try to slam the door. Immediately. Yeah, That's what I mean. Yeah. If, if you've got, if you're in the sixth inning or five, it, I absolutely you do that. I think you treat it like you're in the ninth and you, you know, keep it going as if it's four, nine, four, nine innings. I think you almost have to do that. Okay. Forecast tomorrow isn't all that great either. It is. Well, you jump them early, you know, you uh, Alec Manoa first inning. When you see this, that will tell you that he's going to have a good night. What is this? Life on the sinker. That's what I'd like to see. I want to see him pound because this has also been a priority for him. Developing that sinker, try to get it on the front hip of a left-handed batter and get it to go on the inside. That aggressiveness. Plus then if he can elevate the fastball and beat guys on the right side of the plate in fastball command, the sinker and the fastball for me. Ben, we're going to let you run. Thanks so much for doing this. Look okay. forward to your call tonight. Looking forward to it. Ben Wagner, radio voice of the Blue Jays. He's got, what, seven, five, what, how do we do the math? When you got, got about half an hour. Got about half an hour. Another 12 cups of coffee, you'll be Enough ready to go. for a coffee, yep. There you go, another 12 cups of coffee. Ben will be ready to go. We'll be back with more Baseball Central. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash, on the Sportsnet Radio Network. This childish stuff going on here. Wagner, you bring out the worst in Barker. God. Uh, I mean, when I'm, I the, when, when I'm the most mature person in the room, <clears throat> we have trouble here. Yeah. <laughs> it's Baseball Central with Blair and Barker. See, Ben. You ran him off. Ben loves him, his, his, this, this studio so much that he wanted to stick around. I want him to go and rest because he's. Got a big call tonight, that 6-1 win. It's going to be good. 7.05 is the first pitch. The uh, Jays taking on Luis Hill and the New York Yankees. Love the Yankees game notes. They're a treasure trove of stuff. Luis Hill's making his fourth career start tonight. According to Elias Kevin Barker, he is the only major league pitcher since 1893 and as I remember, that was the first season that the mound to plate distance was 60 feet, 6 inches. I remember very much the debate we had. We were sitting in the back of our horse and buggy debating whether or not it should be 60 feet. So anyhow, the first major league pitcher since 1893 to toss at least four and two-thirds scoreless innings in his first three career appearances. Um... His career opening 15 and two-thirds scoreless inning streak is the second longest in Yankee history. I also remember the first longest. It was in 1906 by slow Joe Doyle, who opened his career with uh, an 18-inning scoreless streak. 
All kidding aside, what are we going to see from Luis Heel today? And and what four, should four, the, four now, you know what this whole thing? Hard. He's got downward tilt, and, and we have this thing right. A pitcher they haven't seen before. Yada yada. Everybody worries. He's, he's going to tie the Jays. He's got up. an occasional changeup. He'll throw to a lefty, but he's basically a hard four seamer, a slider. He's going to tunnel that thing. You know, tunneling's the big thing in twenty twenty one. But this is this is for me a different Jays team. Like you, 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 if they can lay off that early in the game, now they need Alec Manoa to to match him for you know at least one time through, so they can figure it out and and have some better at bats, see how much life it has to it, see the break on it. But don't change a thing. Like the, these are you throw them stats out the window. How hard you throw? What's you throw? Two strikes. Simplify it as much we'll as possible. Throw them out the window. They're interesting. Yeah, yeah, they are for you. They are. Not for the lineup, because oh, if you read that in the lineup, you're beat before you even get to the batter's box. Forget about that. How hard does he throw? That's well, 96 to 100. Perfect. How? What's he throw with two strikes? A slider to a righty. What's he throw to a lefty? He'll elevate the four-seamer. He'll throw a changeup on occasion. Perfect. Hit the fastball. It's real simple. Like you you don't overthink it in September. You go out there. You keep continuing having the at-bats you've been having. You do that. And Alec Manoa can locate somewhat of that heater. You're going to do some moonwalking. Moonwalking. That's what they're going to do. It is walk-off Wednesday, 595.90 is a text line. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Kevin. Can you walk us off by explaining Hall of Famer Larry Walker's appreciation of SpongeBob? Also your favorite Expos moment of Larry. I, Larry, you know what? I, or, uh, Dave in Grand Falls. I, I have to tell you this. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, and, and I haven't done a lot of, uh, I mean, I, I'm sure somebody's written something on it. I know that he had the SpongeBob thing when the announcement was made. It, again, as I tell people, his nickname was Booger. Mm. Um, but my favorite Expos memory of Larry Walker is easy. Sunday night game in Dodger Stadium. You see this all the time on the clips. Sunday night game at Dodger Stadium. National game. Larry Walker, fly ball down to right field. Larry Walker catches the ball, gives it to a kid in the stands, realizes that it's not the final out of the inning. Asks the kid for the ball, gets it back from the kid and throws it in. Completely mm-hmm. forgot the number of, uh, uh, number of outs in the inning. And then, of course, goes back to the next inning and, uh, gives, um, and gives the kid the ball. But I remember that play because it was... Larry Walker doing something really stupid, really goofy, handling it as only Larry Walker could. Yeah, who would go back? Who would do that and think, I'm going to ask the kid for the ball back? Mm-hmm. Well, Larry did. Larry said, can I have the ball? I gave him the ball back, and he threw it in. That's my favorite Larry Walker memory. I, other than that, I, I, I just remember watching Larry Walker go first to third um, when he was completely healthy. And that was something else. He, he, everybody talks about Larry Walker and home runs and the gold glove defense and all that. And those are very much part of his game. But man, when, when he was healthy, Larry on the bases and Larry Walker was also the first player I saw live throw out a guy at first base on a single on a grounder into right field. Yeah. He used to throw guys out all the, not, not all the time, but yeah, he yeah. did it at least a couple of times. I don't know if you heard the, the Dante Bichette thing before they introduced Larry Walker talking about the, when he, was in with the Rockies, and you know this guy can hit a fastball. This guy mm-hmm. can hit a breaking ball. I was good with two strikes, and then Larry Walker was good at everything. Yeah. Like, like it's just you, there's there's certain guys that you can't be like. For me, Larry Walker's yeah. one of them. Yeah, no, that but that's, you just can't. 
that's uh, really well said. So, uh, Dave and Grand Falls, thanks for the uh, question. <laughs> Rosalie on Avenue Road. Playing Merriweather in a safe situation is like putting a guy who hasn't played in two months to take the last penalty kick in a soccer game. See, I look. Well, I look. I, you're not going to agree with me on this, Barker, but I, I, I think that at this point, it's all about preserving Tim Mays and Jordan Romano because those are your two most reliable arms in the bullpen. You've got to do what you can to preserve them. I think tonight. With two wins in the pocket against the Yankees, mm. I think tonight is the night. There's no reason to activate Julian Merriweather if you're not going to use him in the ninth inning tonight. There just isn't. He's had success against, look, his whole career has been about small sample size. It has. But we know that the Yankees can't handle Velo. I, tonight is the perfect night to, have the, to, to use both of those guys, I think. Throw some Velo at these guys. If I told you going into the, and and then you have Romano and Mesa ready for tomorrow, mm. you got a chance of taking three or four of this series. I'd like to sweep them. That's what I'd say. And if I got a chance of doing that, who do you do? To, who do you go to tonight? Okay, folks, help us here. It ain't going to be Romano. It ain't going to be Mesa. Okay, who do you go to tonight in the ninth inning? Who's hitting? Does matter. One, two, three, two, three, 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 four, five. Seven, eight, nine. Who's who's who's? Well, you don't have Mesa Romano, so you, your choices are well. You could Saria, Simber, so, well, Richards. Well, I, I would assume you're going to see one of those in the meat of the order. You got to see Richards in the, in the, in the, meat, the, of the, in the meat of the order, probably in the seventh inning or around the, there. Whenever that is, you're going to massage it through it. You're you're yeah, but you're going to have think to... you're going to throw Merriweather against two, three, four up a run in the ninth inning. That's just me. Maybe you, they will, depending on, you know, Petey's going to determine whether, can he throw strike one? Well, What's Kev, the velocity look like? Okay, so who's, who are you going to throw tonight against two, two, three, or four with a one-run lead? Who's going to get you to Trevor Richards? At some point, you're going to have to use Julian Merriweather in, tonight. You just are. There's no reason to have him on your roster I, if you're not going to use him tonight. And it depends on the inning. It depends on who's coming up. Depends on what the score All right, is. Let, let's, here, let's play it out. Alec Manoa gives him six. And it's, I don't know. 3-1-4-1. Alec Manoa gives him sixth. Okay. Alec Manoa gives him sixth. They've got a two or, now, two or three run. If it's 4-1, that's different. That's, that's different. Then, uh, then you can throw Octane. Then, then, Mary, then all okay. gloves are off. Okay, you so can that's throw right. whoever okay. you want to so throw. That, so, okay, so that's three different. run lead, you go Octane. Okay, one run lead. That's a different story. Okay, how do you manage it? That's a great question. How do you manage it? How do you manage eight and nine? Let's give, let's give Manoa seven. How do you manage eight and nine? Oh. Let's well, give Manoa a seven inch. How do you manage Trevor Richards will be in one of those. Expanding, add, and subtract. He's going to, he's going to, depending on who's coming up, who likes to, who, who don't like the change up, who don't like the slow slider, who has a little trouble with the sinker. Do you ask, Located do you up. ask Trevor Richards to give you a little more than an inning? Nope. Mm-mm. I wouldn't. All right. Not one, not one run lead. I mean, I know this is highly theoretical, purely theoretical. The Jays could be, you know, if they're leading 6-1, it doesn't matter. It does not. But I do. If if they do get a big lead, then I want to see both Pearson and Merriweather. Yeah, who cares then? Exactly. But I it's, want to see. It's the, it's the one run. It's the two-run lead. It depends on who's coming up. It it depends on, you know as well as I do, bat pass. It depends on, Charlie's going to look over at Petey and go, hey, you saw his bullpen. What's it look like? Life on it. Is it moving? Can he throw a strike? Does he have a good secondary pitch? What's his mindset? Does he look healthy to you? All of those questions, you know as well as anybody, they're going to be asked. And 
You're going to get a couple of names. Charlie's going to pick one of them out of a hat. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a big time educated guess. And they're going to hope that works. And hopefully the offense shows up and gives them four or five run lead. And then it doesn't really matter who Charlie goes to, but if it's that one run lead, you're going to see a lot of walking around. You're going to see Charlie taking his hat <laughs> off, running his hand through his hair yeah, <laughs> and trying to figure out. Because there's going to be a lot of moving, maneuvering around, especially when they don't have their two bullets at the end of the game. Let's give you the uh, lineups before we scoot, shall we? And a reminder that we will be back tomorrow from 5 to 7. Uh, the Yankees lineup is Gardner, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, DJ LeMahieu in the fifth spot, Joey Gallo, Gary Sanchez, Rugnit Odur. Velasquez is a shortstop. Luis Hill is on the mound for the Blue Jays. Corey Dickerson leading off again. He's in center. Marcus Semien, Vladdy's at first. Bose at short, Teoscar's in right, Alejandro Kirk's the DH, Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s in left, Jake Lamb is at third base, Danny Jansen's behind the plate with Alec Manoa. Let's talk a little bit about Jake Lamb, just a little bit, not much, we got some time left. Do you think people realize how often they're going to see Jake Lamb in September? Jake Lamb's going to play a lot, isn't he? Gets righties. Going to hit the bottom of the order. He's a decent defender. He's been there. I mean, we texted each other before. Yeah, we texted each other last night. Like, I don't want to get in the whole, you know. But he 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 looks like a guy who gives you. This is what I like about guys like Lamb and Dickerson, and why I'd rather have them than guys like Jonathan Davis and 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 uh, and and I know Jonathan Davis isn't with the organization anymore, but rather. Why I'd rather have them than guys like Jonathan Davis and Kevin Smith because these guys are going to give me a professional at bat. Experience, been there and done it before, understand who they are, probably not going to go outside the box. Now, he, Lamb's not real good against lefties. You've seen that. Yes, he's that's... got very awkward at bats. So you don't want any part of that. But he's not going to hurt you when it comes to early in games, balls hit right at him. Now, he's not going to hurt you there because he's been there and done it before. But you, you know as well as anybody, it's it's – it's the the meat of the order, the guy with the hat turned around backwards who's running right now on our TV screen, Bo Bichette. Mm-hmm. He's one of the guys. You know, he hit a couple balls hard to, to second yes, base he did. yesterday. You know, I know he didn't he didn't like it probably because he didn't get a result that he wanted. The process he, is was, working, it isn't it? It was short and yeah. quick, quiet, not the big giant overswinging helmet flying off his head like they're buying in. You almost mm-hmm. get the sense this is a guy – and, and, and I know Buck talks about this a lot. You almost get the sense as a guy who might be ready to go off a little bit. I don't know. Late, late in seasons, facing good teams and trying to get where Blue Jays are going. You know, he's going to have to lay off the ball in a little bit better, the ball up in a little bit better. You know, it's it's you can't. He's going to have to, for me, come to the understanding he can't cover the entire seventeen inches. Just there's a handful of people in Major League Baseball that are not on your team hmm. that can do that. Yeah, Bo for me is not one of them. He'd like to think he can. Do you can. think he'll ever be one of them? I don't think so. Why is that? Just because he's got a lot of moving parts, head moves Size? a lot. Size is something I don't to do think that's it. He's got quick enough bat. He's got enough bat speed. I just, I think he's a maximum collision guy. Can maximum collision uh, a baseball consistently on the black end with a kicking to your ear or your knee, hmm. getting it down because you've noticed a little bit, pitchers, they'll hold it a little bit more. Make him stand there. Make him twirl his hands a little bit more. They're trying to get him out of... When do I pick it up? When do I set it down? There's a lot going on in his swing, and, and that for me has got to zone up a little bit better. You're seeing him last night. There's a good sign that that, you know, he got a ball, a couple balls right down the middle. Now, it's velocity. 
But he had a couple of really hard balls to second base, which is a good sign. That means that that, that where the the hand path, which is that inside out thing to right center field is going in that direction, and he's starting to hit balls that way. But he's a really good hitter. Yeah, he's you know he's doing all these things on the fly at the big league level at a very high level. So let's set it up for you before we uh, turn things over to Ben Wagner. The uh, Seattle Mariners have already played today. They've beaten Houston 8-5. to five. They are two and a half back. The Yankees and the Jays, first pitch just around the corner. Yankees are half a game up in first the first wild card spot. The Jays are two back. Boston Red Sox, they're getting ready to go against Tampa Bay. They are half a game behind the Yankees. Two up on the Blue Jays. We mentioned Seattle's now two and a half back. Oakland's lost four in a row. They, they look like they're in fumes a little bit. They're three and a half back now. They've got the Chicago White Sox. Bullpen's tonight. terrible. Yeah, it's it, it's like it's it's like watching it. It's like it's like the ship has just kind of hit the rocks. Been used too much. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, you know I think they were able to cover up for not having Liam Hendricks for a while, but it, it's it's caught up to them. Yep. So that's where we are. Uh, a win by the Jays tonight over the Yankees. I mean, wake up in the morning and and whew, Jays could be positioned to move into the wild card yeah. in a couple of days. For for me, wow. for me, it's it's look for Alec Manoa's glove. When the ball comes out of the glove, if it's direction towards his target, which is home plate, for me, he'll have a good night. If that's a little shorter, quicker out of the glove, and he's more stabbing it towards first base, you'll have to work a little harder. Luis Heal and Alec Manoa are in the bullpens. They are warming up. They're getting ready for the national anthems at Yankee Stadium. We will have baseball. 7.05 first pitch right here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Ben Wagner, ready to take over. Walk off Wednesday, and we decided that we'll let the man whose nickname was Walk, the man who went into the Hall of Fame today, Larry Walker, please walk us off. And of course, thank you, Canada, for all your support I've received throughout the years from my home country. I share this honor with every Canadian, and I hope that all you Canadian kids out there that have dreams of playing in the big leagues, that see me here today, gives you another reason to go after those dreams. 